On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Voyage of the Rock Aliens from 1984, starring Pia Zadora and Craig Sheffer. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 68. This is Brandon. And as always with me is your co-hoster, A-B-C-U-L-L-E-N. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, A-Brandon C. Why am I thanking you? I'm always here. Our f- frequent guest, Cullen, for every episode. <laughs> Today we are here to discuss 1984's musical, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Cullen, rock on through this electric avenue for us. Aliens land in the town of Spielberg, searching for the source of rock and roll. They find trouble with Dee Dee, Frankie, and the pack. Voyage of the Rock Aliens is directed by James Fargo and stars Pia Zadora, Craig Sheffer, Tom Nolan, Michael Berryman, Allison LaPlaca, and the voice of Peter Cullen. So welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. We have recharged. We have survived the heretic. And we're back. This was a good recharge movie. I don't want to show my yeah. hand. I don't want to show too much of my hand. Well, but honestly, just about anything would be less painful than Exorcist 2. Like a punch in the dick is less painful than the Exorcist 2. Exorcist 2 brought us down so low and off our game that we couldn't even pull out the easiest, easiest of references to throw in that our friend of the show, Rachel, pointed out of, uh, oh, we could have made a Lion King reference somewhere in there. You know, Africa, Leopard, Spitten, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones in Africa. Yeah. It, it broke us. We're, we're sorry. Actually, it got us. Actually, I'm not sorry. We can't help it. Go talk to John Borman. Call him. Whatever you need to do, beat down his door. Say, I wanted a Lion King joke. And he'll look at you and say, who are you and why are you here? Hakuna Matata. We're now on to the rock aliens. And here we go. There's an unintentional funny trend we've had here on Call Cinema Cavalcade. That, have you noticed, Cullen? Uh, I'm not sure if I have noticed. A year ago from this episode, not exactly, not on point, because you know days move and we're always on Mondays. We did Xanadu. <laughs> okay? Okay. Now, go back a year further, and not quite this weekend, but it was like the first weekend in February or something, we did Hard Rock Zombies. So for some reason, around this time of year, you and I get in the mood for wacky musicals. <laughs> Unintentionally, mm-hmm. not planned. <laughs> For some reason, I guess we just watch a Linda Blair movie and then like, I got to get me a musical under my belt. But you know who is planned and always ready to go, Cullen? 
Is it Tom Labrie? It's Tom Labrie. Sacramento is used to it because we've been doing it for 10 years. A lot of people in Stockton are finding out about it because of our new store at Hammer and West Lanes next to Levitt's. People in Contra Costa County will be driving from all over to discover it. It's the famous Labrie Labor Day sale. Every year for five days only, we put everything in every store on sale. It's our biggest sale of the year. A lot of you may have made moves during the summer. If you're looking for things to put in your new bedroom, you'll never find a better time. I'm Tom Labrie for Labrie Sleep Centers, where all this is going on. And now, let's get back to the movie. Cullen, how, how do we stumble upon Voyage of the Rock Aliens? Ah, that's what I was trying to remember. I was just like looking up random stuff for the show. I think it was like looking up clips for... Was it one of our like post-show like, ah, oh, look at this, look at this? Or was no, it no. It, it, I was... Um... <laughs> I was at work, avoiding work, and I-, I was just like looking up like video clips for another episode that we did, and somehow I just happened to stumble across the trailer for Voyage of the Rock Aliens, and that was like like ten seconds into the trailer, like okay, we have to do this, we have to do this, and that was I don't know, a lot longer than it should have been, and we were just trying to figure out what the hell to do, and this was just in the back of our heads. For, for a long time, and it was just finally, like you said, it's just the time of year where we just jones for some for some musical adventure. Of the rock aliens, yeah. <laughs> a film that was seen in a couple theaters, but never had a full-on theatrical release anywhere. I played in Canada and, and the America for a couple times. It's kind of surprising considering... Almost every song in this movie had a music video made for it. And there are a shitload of songs in this movie. There are, and there are people that are just like, well, I don't care what you say, I'm going to go make a music video anyway. There was illegitimate music videos made by people involved with this movie. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, fine, I'm making it. I'm like, for what reason? And like, oh, I mean, sell albums? I don't know. Not even the soundtrack didn't even, originally didn't carry a lot of the songs. And some of the songs were on a later Piazzadora album. Mm-hmm. Broadway musicals have fewer musical numbers than this movie. A block of Broadway musicals playing on Broadway have <laughs> less. Yes, yes, uh, you can line them up. Voyage of the Rock Aliens still has more. It wasn't started as a musical. It was just supposed to be a, a B-movie spoof of an idea that a director had when he was just surfing through late-night channels as a kid. You'd have the late-night movies. You'd have, like, a horror movie. You'd have, like, a sci-fi movie. All different kinds of weird schlock that back in the day would be on TV late at night. <laughs> I mean, it was cheap films to have, and we, we kind of don't have that era anymore. It's kind of passed us by. There's revivals of things like that, but it's different, and uh, those are trying to be nostalgic about it more so than just a network generally bought a package and run something late at night. Mm-hmm. Once you know that, some of the stuff in the movie makes more sense. Like, oh, it's supposed to be like a B-movie from the 50s because it seems like this takes place in a parallel dimension where the 50s and the 80s are the same thing. Like, there's like like hot rods in it, and mm-hmm. but there's also new wave music in it, and th- there's like, um, yeah. like, like rockabilly which is actually the, like the fifties like and the eighties, really. But it's just, it is kind of, it's a, it's a weird damn movie, is what I'm trying to say. It's got some range. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's even one scene that I mean, we'll get to it. I had a Xanadu flashback during it. I was like, whoa. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we'll get to it. Let's get into this. 
before we describe the whole thing without talking about the whole thing. We begin with the Interplanetary Curb Productions logo and uh, get a song from some spaceship shaped like a guitar floating in space. I think you found rock already. The song is it's called something like Sleep On Stranger. It could just be called Ah, uh, because uh, that happens a lot in the song. We go inside the ship. The lights the lights are getting turned on and whatnot by some robot. And a robot voice, Peter Cullen's voice, because you'll slightly hear Optimus Prime towards the beginning, and then that sort of goes away. It sounds like Optimus Prime as a young man is what it sounds like. <laughs> like the Optimus Prime that we're used to it sounds like a, like a lived-in human being, but this one, he, he, it sounds like green Optimus Prime. This crew is supposed to be on a scientific mission. Ever since they heard that rock music, they've been combing the galaxy to find it. I've narrowed it down to these three with one to go. And we see the one that they want to focus on is a literal blacks versus whites battle. Oh, uh, yeah. A, like post-apocalyptic world. I mean, there's white dudes on scooters dressed kind of like nuns well, for some reason. They're Yeah, uh, dressed all in white, and they're riding white motorcycles. But for some reason, all, all of the black people have belts on their heads. And they're wearing beige. Except for Jermaine Jackson, who's at the yes. beginning of this movie, and nowhere else in the movie at all. <laughs> He he look well, he looks like a post-apocalyptic Michael Jackson because he's got yeah. like part of a red jacket well, on, but he's got like yeah he's, a gray... he's got the Michael Jackson debarge jacket going yeah yeah and he's got like a what would you call it like a like a beige yarn shirt thing yeah just enough to cover him up so he can put on that sweet partial red studded jacket. Zadora is there, and she's rocking these rad 80s shades that you never saw anyone ever wear except in a music video or some red carpet thing, because they're just not practical. No, because <laughs> it's two awkwardly shaped triangles jammed next to each other on your face. It looks like, remember those Back to the Future Part 2 sunglasses you could get from Pizza Hut? It's like a white version of those. And there's uh, the dude's like, is there a bar in this scumbucket town? And... Piazzador eyes one of the guys as he sings to us, and we get a bar where Jermaine and Piaz decide to have a duet. I'm going to call her Piazadora in this part, not her character's name, because it's straight up. When we get to the end of this, we'll we'll say why. We we have a gang battle sequence that makes West Side Story look like Boys in the Hood at this point. (laughs) It's full-on dancing. (laughs) And we have a montage of hanging out at the bar, giving evil looks in the middle of the street, driving scooters, and then like a karate match between the leaders uh, during a night campfire scene on the set of a, an Italian Mad Max movie. And I, I think the black leader kills the white leader, maybe, or just beats him up really bad. Yeah. And then the big, big, bigger kung fu battle ensues, including uh, twirling 
battle with Pia and some other girl in the background. And then she ends up leaving with the white gang as they seem defeated. And, we, and then we go back to the Optimus Prime-ish speaking robot, decides maybe they can go to Earth. And, and that's it with that whole thing. So this whole, the, the opening of their movie has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. And it's not like in some kind of clever, like, fun way. It's just, here's a music video before our movie starts. It was shot to be a music video, and then they wanted to throw it in the movie, and then they threw it at the end of the movie. The movie didn't test well, so they thought, hey, let's put it at the beginning instead. You know what's going to keep people in the theater? Jermaine Jackson. (laughs) And it's got, you know, the lead, one of your leads from the movie in it. In some unexplainable, like, cross-over thing. Not just a different character, but a different character on a different planet at the beginning yeah, of your movie. I thought this was Earth, you know? Like, the, what, what yeah. the hell is this? He's like, like, maybe we can go to Earth. I'm like, where, was that, did you see that, and then you want to go there, or? The robot's name is 1359, watches this video, and says... Ah, screw it, we're going to Earth. Well, why did you even bother with any of that? It reminds me of Chewbacca's son in the Star Wars Holiday Special, just watching a music video, and we're watching him watch a music video. When I was watching this, I'm like, man, that that, that poster art's either one big lie, or it's gonna, I'm, a, I'm interested to see how we get to this point. <laughs> I mean, the, po- the poster that has the robotic arm on it? It was just such bright colored poster, looked like fun. I'm like, man, this is like post-apocalyptic wasteland stuff, and just look gritty. And I'm like, there's, how are we gonna get to the the really bright, happy looking stuff? Because yeah, the, the yeah, the trailer you see like people like dancing on a beach and just having a, a, a kooky fun time. But it, then it, you know, like I said, it opens with a post-apocalyptic music video that has dick all to do with the rest of it. To get to the uh, rest of it, Robot goes to the refrigerator and pulls out action figures and dumps them into some sort of tube, and they all come to life. And uh, that's they not only freeze the guys in space, they try to shrink them too. But one of the guys doesn't come out right at first, and they put him back in, and then he's fine. And, and thank uh, goodness they showed that to us. The guys ready the ship and begin in on a song called, like, Where Would We Be in the 21st Century? We had the world in the palm of our hand. Then we turned around and dropped it. They tore it apart and we up and ran. Because we knew we couldn't stop it on now. Where would we all be in the 21st century? And this includes some, uh... Cool vector graphics as part of it, and as our friend of the show Jim Dietz always says, vector graphics are always cool. So it's a uh, it's another montage of them on a ship and multiple stories of some building that they are on, but they haven't like landed and gone to Earth yet. It's weird that aliens are singing about the 21st century when the 21st century is an Earth concept, and they're not in the 21st century. They're talking about how cool the 21st century is, and meanwhile, like you said, they're playing vector graphic arcade games. And that's like their control panel thing. And then they're in this building that looks like the cover of uh, where the Beatles took their picture of for the Get Back vinyl. I was surprised. Like, oh, they're they're not on Earth yet. What What is this <laughs> building? They keep going up and down stairs and looking at each and other. It doesn't seem like any of them are like imagining it or dreaming it or anything. It's just happening. There's just a music video happening within your movie. And that, that, that's what a lot of these musical numbers are like. It's just... You know, you know how most musicals are. Like, 
you, you're singing, but it's within the context of the scene, so it makes musical sense. Whereas this is just, fuck it, we're making a music video, just... Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly, yeah, how every one of them is. They're not afraid to just be a music video. It's like, uh. it's like they wanted to make a series of music videos, and they just made a movie around it. They arrive on Earth. Uh, did we ever know what they're called exactly, the aliens? No, no, we don't. aliens. They don't, but but they really like the Bret Hart color scheme. It's, it's yeah. all black and pink. Their glasses aren't as cool as, as his ours. They wear glasses that you'd get, like, at a Chuck E. Cheese like you know that that real th- those real thin sunglasses that kind of look like the the Jordy visor from Star Trek: The Next Generation, but it's not cool yeah. like that. It's just like I said, they look like a, a cult of bebop worshippers from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. They're just missing nose rings. Yeah. So on Earth, they're only there for observation, and recreational activities have been suspended. Uh, we go to a beach where the water is basically acid, and we see that by a surfboard melting in it. D.D., who is Pia Zadora, I'll call her D.D. now because I'm sure this is D.D. She's talking to some girl about her boyfriend not letting her sing. So her friend says she could still practice, and everybody starts making out, and she does a song number. It's like, I want real love, something like that. And as I said, you mentioned, I go, this, I was like, when I, my observation was like, this is close to passing for a legit music video. I also couldn't believe that we're what 13 minutes into this movie we're already in our third musical number yeah i mean for a long time this movie coasts on just musical numbers and then there's one point in here where i'm like well, i feel like we haven't had a song in forever <laughs> no, you know because it, it coasts on these the first hour of this movie is musical numbers and there's maybe three minutes between each musical number and then after that, that hour's up, then it's like, oh, we're just, we're just done making music. And there's, like, music playing in the background. And there's I think there's, like, one or two musical numbers after that, but everything else is just, yeah. <laughs> so there's some sort of lake monster during this, too, and an obese woman jogging on the beach with a vest, like, full of candy bars. Yes. <laughs> the band stops playing as Frankie, played by Craig Sheffer, shows up a... Blonde, moosed up hair, Craig Sheffer. It's pretty pissed and tells a guy to kill the radio. And the, the dude jumps off the lifeguard tower to smash it, like dive bombs it. And he tells everyone he decides who sings with the band. On the spaceship, the robot shows them a phone booth, which they have used as a teleportation module. And in the year 2018, Cult Cinema Cavalcade is now three for three with phone booths used in movies. <laughs> Yep. And two of them have been used for transportation. Yeah, we're not... G- and one and one of them was in a transportation facility that it was being used. <sighs> if you remember The Exorcist 2 when they were at the train station, Reagan was on. Ah, yes. In a, in, a, in a phone booth at the train station. So join us next time when we'll be talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Journey. <laughs> Are we doing both of them? Or <laughs> <laughs> Sure. We need more. You call it you call it excellent journey. So I didn't know if you were mixing the two of them together. Or? It's gonna be a mashup. I'm gonna all I'm right. gonna edit them all together, and then we're just gonna watch it as one movie. And it won't make any damn sense. But I'm determined now. I've stepped in it.
Yeah, wild stallions. Uh, <laughs> some pa- some pa- like someone I thought was a park ranger ends up being the sheriff. Spots the ship with a telescope and tells a guy that they are being attacked. And the phone booth then lands with the robot intact. They- you mean the dirty old woman that doesn't need to be in the movie at all and does nothing to advance the plot? Isn't part of any of the music. It's just some dirty old woman that is the sheriff of this town. Because when we see her, she's looking at some dude working out in really tight pants. And she is super into it. And then she has like a cramp or something. And like the telescope flies up and then it, she sees the giant ship in space. I mean, she could have a purpose, but they never really want to fully commit to giving her any other than, oh, no, she's going to bust these guys for being aliens, I guess. I mean, maybe she's there to like maybe it's some statement on like law enforcement in America because she lets a lot of shit go by that shouldn't while going overboard on some aliens coming to visit. Maybe. Yeah, she could be a xenophobic sheriff. Sure. They give the robot shit for not blending in, and he transforms into a fire hydrant. Uh, We go to this diner, which is a hangout, and Frankie sits alone as the guy, this guy tells him that they're closing in five minutes. Dee Dee comes in and complains that she hasn't seen him because he spends more time with the band than her, as uh, then they suck face. That's Uh, accurate. (laughs) It, It does look like they're jamming each other's mouths together. Not kissing, just pressing their faces together as much as they can. And he tells her... I know it's not easy for me to say nice things, but you're more important to me than anything in the world. And then the other band members show up to give him grief, but she slams the door on them. And so our rock aliens cross a bridge as the hydrant leads them, and they spy on some sort of lover's lane action happening. Yeah. And one guy there wishes on a star, and at the same time, the aliens rob them of their clothes. They transport their clothes from the people in Lover's Lane's bodies to their own bodies. And then they just don't wear them the rest of the movie. I think one of them does, but... Yeah. The next morning, the sheriff stops them, asking if they've seen something strange, to which they say no, and she tells them they go back to the town. Like, like she stops the aliens, if they've seen anything strange, correct? Right, yeah, it's the aliens, yeah. Yeah. The, The guys that clearly are not from this town... I don't just mean that because, like, oh, she doesn't recognize them. I mean because they look like fucking aliens. In the diner, we now have some sort of a rockabilly 50s throwback performance thing going on. And it's also much like a music video that's shot at an abandoned drive-in theater because it cuts around. This is the song Justine. And we know it's Justine because they say the word Justine. Let's see. Uh, pfft. 108 times during the course of this song, especially near the end. There's a part at the end where it's just, I I just want to start screaming at the screen like, I get it! I know what the name of your song is! It's ended already! What's up with the pack? Like, it's the band, right? Right. Craig Sheffer's the the singer, Frankie, but he's not here singing. Right. And and they have like fifteen guys. Do they go oh, like, all right, tonight's lineup: Joey on drums, uh, Steve on on, on vocals, uh, Billy, uh, you're on guitar, and Dugan, you're on bass. Is that how they do it? 
Uh, I, I don't know. Man, I, maybe like, Frankie's calling the shots, I guess, because he decides who sings in the and band. They hold off. They hold off on Frankie singing in this for like the longest time. Yet we're always told about musical abilities from him. Yeah, he doesn't sing until like the end of until he, the movie. Until he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, um, it wasn't actually him singing. He lip synced no. to this. He's like one of like three actors in this movie. Everyone else are just like extras and band members. They hired a couple just actors, and then the rest are people with musical ability, including Pia Zadora. She was hired mainly because she was a you know she was a kind of pop star. And to be fair, there's not much acting in this movie because it's almost all singing. So right, right. I guess musical ability is higher on the priority list. The rock aliens arrive upon town and decide to go in and observe the species. Frankie and Dee Dee show up, giving shit, and she tells them, "Why don't you get off their back?" And then some one of the pack guys goes, "Hey." I get off on your front. Dee Dee doesn't like Frankie's behavior and goes to the bathroom. The rock aliens are walking about, and we find the town is called Spielberg. S-P-E-E-L-B-U-R-G-H. Because cop... If you stay tuned, we'll tell you what they named it after. (laughs) Coming later in the episode. It's subtle. You won't believe number six. (laughs) They leave the hydrant outside and enter the diner. The aliens do. Frankie's boys see the aliens and decide, hey, we should fight them. But Frankie advises not to since it would upset Dee Dee. And there's literally no reason for them to fight other than they're dressed differently. Meanwhile, these guys are dressed like they're in the Stray Cats with Brian Setzer. Yeah. And And they're pointing out how other people are dressed oddly. Fuck them. The, the leader of their group seems to be allergic to shirts because he almost, like, I think there's only like one scene in the movie where he has a shirt on. The rest of the time, he just has a leather jacket with no shirt on underneath it. And you know, leather jackets, those breathe. So you would just want it right on your skin. Makes total sense. Meanwhile, the aliens freak everyone out with their presence. They start tossing menus and eating them. Uh, Dee Dee and her friend Diane is having a conversation about the problems that her and Frankie are going through. And uh, Diane says, just a phase he's going through, hormonal. And we then have a bathroom musical number with uh, that features feet under stalls dancing. And it's called You Bring Out the Lover in Me. kind of gross considering the beginning of this song is women sitting on a toilet and just looking at their underwear underneath it i don't want to hear about someone's lover in that situation that's me i'm the weird one Uh don't let the pack know otherwise they'll beat me up back in the diner a guy puts something in his drink that fizzes up it's one of the aliens or whatever but it's the only way i can drink it and then another one of them dumps it down his shirt which i guess he drinks (laughs) <laughs> and then then the the, the uh, lead alien, who we come to know as ABCD, takes a look at Dee Dee as she comes out of the bathroom and starts steaming up and then blows up into many pieces. And the only reaction that these people have is, it's generally like, man, what a show off. What are you talking about? Someone 
exploded in front of you. And <laughs> the strongest reaction is like, man, what a jerk. Like, no, you should, you should be, everyone should be screaming and freaking out. Someone exploded. No one investigates this. No one wonders why they see him again later that day. A musical number happens as they grab the pieces of their friend and try to escape into the phone booth as the sheriff investigates it. And in the ship, they put him into a machine that makes a printout of him that's like a drawing. And then they put him in another machine that makes him like a life-size cutout photo of him. And this is all while Combine Man is playing. Then they plug him in and they blow him up from the photo. And he gets up and he looks at the screen. And then we cut to them... (laughs) On a tractor on the beach, finishing up a song as others cheer, but Frankie looks too cool and makes everyone stop. (laughs) Like, we got the beginning of a scene and the end of a scene that don't go together. No. And I'm supposed to feel like, oh, well, yeah. I thought it was going to be like a dream, right? Sure, but no. Apparently, this is actually happening within the the reality of this movie. We go from a spaceship where the music is playing to them singing on a tractor on a beach, and there's a crowd gathered around the tractor following them. And then when the music stops, they're all clapping. Where was the music coming from? They didn't have any instruments. Where did this tractor come from? We've never seen this tractor before. Why were they on the spaceship? And then they're literally riding, a tra- not walking around a tractor. Hey, tractor man, cool, good to see you. They're just fucking on it, performing it somehow. Like- it's like, well, we shot the end of the music video, but we don't have the money to shoot the beginning. Let's just, well, when he wakes up, let's just cut to that and be like, oh, yeah, it happens. <clears throat> no. Diane introduces herself to ABCD and his friends, and she goes, you're really gnarly. Good sound. And she's head of the entertainment committee and wants them to play tonight. And ABCD asks if Dee Dee will be there, and she says she will, so they agree to play. During this, they are all picking at her and stuff and annoying her in their observations. Why Diane just was like, all right, no no deal. I don't know. (laughs) Well, Diane could have taken out a hammer and hit them on the head because she's wearing a tool belt on the beach. Why is she wearing a tool belt on the beach? Why is there a tractor on the beach? And she's (laughs) wearing it to fix the tractor in case it breaks down. Sure. Okay. Why not? I also don't. it's, it's, It's foreshadowing for later. The tool belt. Oh, yeah. I also don't know how she knows that these guys are good performers because they weren't like, you know, like within a musical, you're just singing. You're just, you know, just dancing around and singing. and Everyone's just like, that's just a thing that you do. You're not performing. You're just singing and shit. But they come up singing on this tractor with music behind them. She's like, hey, you guys need to perform that music at the show. She shouldn't be hearing music at all within the reality of a musical. Well, it depends on what the scene is. I am right. I mean, if it's if it's if it's Justine, then yeah, they're all listening to Justine. They know well, what that song. Well, is. yeah, within that context, sure, fine. But these guys were just on a tractor <laughs> singing. She hasn't seen these guys perform any music. The only thing she's seen them do is ride a tractor onto the beach, and that somehow that qualifies them to perform at the, at the cotillion. Is that what it's called? Yeah, they called the cot- uh, cotillion several times. Yeah. Okay, but, I missed every time. Yeah, and it's super weird that it's a cotillion because it takes place like in a high school gym. Yeah, that's what I called it. It was like the school gym. Yeah, cotillions are uh, you know usually a really formal thing, but this is a rockabilly band and a new wave band going at it. Back on the ship, the I'm going to call them the Alphabet Gang of Aliens are 
observing things and creating a stimulator as they debate if the women can handle it. ABCD has a musical number daydream about he and Dee Dee on the ship, and it's called, like, Now I've Found My Little Bit of Heaven. I'm feeling more than able to give you all the secrets nobody ever knew. They float around romantically, singing to each other in space. The group decides to separate on their tasks using the sexual response inhibitor, which has ABCD going back to the diner wearing his, and he turns it on, and some dude hitting on DD and Diane stops, and all the dudes are attracted to him and start, like, molesting him onto the floor, and he finally turns it off, and they all separate, and, and the guy's like, I didn't know you were that way. I don't understand. I never felt that way about a guy before. It was kind of interesting. I think it would be bad considering that there were, I don't know, a dozen guys piled on top. That that wasn't just like a sexual stimulator that he had turned on. That was a sexual predator thing that he had turned on. Because they all turned like immediately like, I got to hump the shit out of that guy. I've seen zombie, horde zombie attacks less disturbing. than (laughs) It was. It was. It was super gross. But you know it's funny, like I maybe with how many dudes are in that diner, no wonder they wanted to fight the the, the rock aliens right when they showed up. It's like, dude, you just fucking added more dudes to our population in this town. <laughs> it's we only have two girls. It's like China. Dee Dee goes to assist ABCD and they sit in the booth and he tries controlling himself as they talk about what just happened and he offers her to sing with them that night as Frankie won't let her sing with his band. We cut to the aliens out in some field doing the Genesis walk and then out observing a cow. And there's a song called She Doesn't Mean a Thing to Me that plays. As, a, as one of the aliens just grabs a big pile of cow shit. Yeah. Did you think that he was going to eat that? I, it was, you know. That alien looked unusually curious about cow turds. And he got in deep to those turds. And he wasn't studying them like Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. No. no, He was hungry. No, he had turned on the turd stimulator, and he just climbed on top of it. And Well, we don't have to get into the details of it. One of the aliens goes to a medical facility while out by a fence. A chainsaw cuts like a hole around him, and he falls down. And the guy, Michael Berryman of Hills Have Eyes fame, says he was on his way out. And some other weirdo exits with him that's got some, like, <laughs> breathing apparatus on a little cart behind him. Yeah, we can just call him Weirdo because... I never got his name. They don't give a name. It's just some guy with a breathing apparatus that walks around behind the chainsaw guy. Frankie and his gang shows up at the diner seeing the ABCD in the booth with Dee Dee, and she tells ABCD to escape and uh, use the ladies' room, but it's too late. Frankie's guys tell him he needs to go outside and just straighten things out, and they take him outside, and Frankie sits across from Dee Dee... Well, another song Look. plays. Yeah. Another musical number and happens. They take him out back, and and I think the song's like Frankie's Girl. Yeah, I, I know uh, the, but, the line that they say a lot is, teach you a little lesson outside. ABCD forms some sort of protective tubing around himself that they can't break through. And I heard one of the guys go, maybe he's into Scientology or something. <laughs> so even in 1984, Scientology was a joke. 
At a pawn shop, Michael Berryman, his character is named Chainsaw. So he has a chainsaw. He is named Chainsaw. And the guy with the breathing apparatus are shopping for a lot of guns and stuff to one very happy military guy selling them, or military enthusiast. I don't know if he's a military guy. And he goes, uh, everything seems to be ready here except for the bazooka, but that should be ready n- next Tuesday. Which I guess uh, is a joke. Yeah, because it's like, oh, he's not going to give them everything. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, uh, like uh, oh, hilarious. You're selling weapons to a mental patient. <laughs> and one that looks like Michael Berryman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing about this situation that that adds up. Especially uh, how they, the, especially how they pay for it, which is apparently credit. So, right. did they murder someone and steal their someone's credit card, or? Well, they, I mean, they are leaving a trail of bodies behind them. Or maybe that... Chainsaw just he has really good credit. He had a savings account he hasn't touched in years. So, <laughs> ABCD walks Dee Dee home, and she kisses him by as Frankie watches, and ABCD steams up. The crazies stroll by the sheriff as she enthusiastically waves and tells them to keep up the good work. Fine example of our right to bear arms. And then those guys go straight to the school-ish place. Yeah. I also want to point out that when the sheriff says, you know, she's waving at them, like, oh, they're great. Michael Berriman, the guy known as Chainsaw, is dressed up as a convict. He's got the black and white yep. striped uniform on, and she's just waving at him. And he's got that guy behind him pulling the thing in a hospital gown. Like, like even if he wasn't dressed as a as a prisoner, don't you think that someone just walking around with a shopping cart full of murder, uh, maybe they'll go have a conversation with them, see uh, what they're up to, what their day, what their plans are going to be. Maybe. maybe they got a maybe they got something going on that day. I don't know. Uh, at the high school gym thing, Frankie confronts Dee Dee with his jealousy as he wants to stir up shit with the aliens. He tells his gang to cover the gym and not to let the aliens in. There's a body in the sheriff's office, a dead body that the crazy dude's killed, but she blames the aliens, of course. The deputy eats a piece of chicken out of the dead hand, which when he pulls the dead hand, it, like reaches for the chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he, uh, he's like, oh, extra crispy. The sheriff calls the widow of the body to give her the news. Am I speaking to the widow of John S. Lamont? You must be mistaken. I'm not a widow. The hell you're not. At the gym, Dee Dee and Diane talk about how she's falling for the alien guy. And Diane asks if she's through with Frankie, can she have him? Diane loves the sloppy seconds. The aliens arrive, but the hydrant tells them that entering without violence isn't probable, so they ask for another way in. One of the bands, uh, I'm guessing it's the pack, begin, one formation of the pack begins performing <laughs> as the deputy enters and is confronted by Chainsaw, who chases him around the backstage area, and they get in some sort of dance fight. At one point, there's an electric knife that gets pulled out that you cut a turkey with or something, and then a, an, like an egg beater, and then it culminates in an attack with an electric can opener, and uh, the deputy throws a can in front of him to stop it, and it opens the can up, gets all over the deputy, and it finalizes in uh, an electric toothbrush getting shoved in his mouth. Yeah, the uh, chainsaw. The deputy seems to have just a mouthful of sour cream, because that's what comes out of his mouth when his teeth get brushed. This this couldn't have been written, right? They're just in this room to shoot this, and they're like, "All right, you know, it'd be funny." And they kept doing this, like they had to be on like, the spot somewhere. Yeah, I was like, "All right, let's see." During this scene, we're gonna be in our I don't know thirtieth song. 
So we got to do something to fill that time where the whole song plays. You guys haven't danced yet, so let's do something fun. Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, I'd just like to point out again that uh, it's the pack playing. Frankie, nowhere near the band. Nope. Outside the aliens are told there is no conventional exit. They get inside via the toilets in the men's room, and then one guy gets stuck in the urinal. That joke worked on me. I, re- I really like the guy. Stuck. He's like halfway through uh, the urinal. It's pretty good. Uh, the deputy calls the sheriff to tell him about the, the loonies that are out, and she's more concerned with the aliens and has a plan that will fix them once and for all. I would love if the deputies would say, can we stop with the alien stuff? People are actively being murdered in our town. Being so biased. You're the only one that saw aliens, as far as we know. Maybe you just have, like, maybe just dementia is setting in, and it's time for you to retire. Frankie is insured by his guys that the aliens aren't being let in, as we see behind those guys that they are arriving. The aliens then take the stage as Frankie gets mad, and then Dee Dee stops him and dumps him. ABCD teleports her to the stage, and they perform <laughs> Let's Dance Tonight. And again, uh, the crowd, they, they don't seem to react to a woman flying through the air, turning into light. And th- turns into like a, a star and then like yeah. reappears on reappears stage. Reappears on stage, different clothes. And, th- and this was after the aliens make their instruments appear in front of them. <laughs> no one questions it. It's just... It's just another day in Spielberg. <laughs> During the song, the other band starts to play up the, the same song after a while to deter from the alien performance with a different rendition of the same song. And then the aliens take it back over. And it's a back and forth to the finish. This reminded me of Xanadu when you had the Gene Kelly mm-hmm. scene where they're they're coming up with the disco. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, it's just the 80s, a heavy metal band. He's like, no, a classy band. And it was like kind of. Yeah. And they were playing the same song. Like, that, like I, I got a Xanadu flashback it, with that. It did remind me of that. However, the genres of music that these two groups are playing are so specific to the time period. It's two forms of music that were only popular for a few years at the same time. And so it's it's rockabilly versus new wave music. That's like if Cherry Pop and Daddies had a... <laughs> they were like like playing against Limp Biscuit. <laughs> I want that now. <laughs> like, like this would only happen like, like during these like four years of overlap. There's no other time this would take place. Like it's, it's the only time period that, that that kind of music was popular. No one wants to hear Cherry Pop and Daddies now or Limp Biscuits. Whenever that, mu- whenever music like that plays now, we all look at like the speaker and just think, God, what was what happened to us? So when it's done, uh, ABCD and DD sneak away while the rest of the aliens play another song. And in the halls, Diane is looking for Frankie, 
and is confronted by Chainsaw. And she hides from him in a room behind some drums, but his chainsaw, when he comes to confront her, jams up and she tries to show him how to fix it. It's this big, like, limp dick joke going on <laughs> with it. There's a lot of details in there that are, like, dick references and, and guy not being able to put up. It, 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 it's, a, it's a whole thing. Could, could you wait? Just one moment. Too sure. Bye. What's the matter? Can't you get it on? Oh, I'm next. Hey, 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 hey. No way to treat your tools. Just calm down here for two seconds and I'll show you how to fix it. ABCD and DD, uh, they were walking by the lake, and she gives them a rundown of all the nuclear contamination in the world, including that there's a missile silo built in the lake. I didn't write down everything that she said about it. I just said, lake is fucked. Because it is. <laughs> like, every bad thing that can happen, like, oh, it's full of Nazis, and uh, it's got uh, just... Child pornography. Child pornography. It's smallpox. Uh, it's got an entire box full of the exorcist to the heretic. It's just... <laughs> In a few years, all the AOL CDs are going to get dumped into it. At the gym concert place, the principal stops the show to announce that they have to cancel the concert due to the number of murders that have happened in the town because of our lunatics. The other crazy guy knocks him off the stage with a sandbag, and uh, the band continues playing. Because it's it's another day in Spielberg. Right, and it's now daytime at the beach. And Dee Dee asks ABCD if she can join the band... She says that she adds sex appeal, and that's an important component. He approves her request, and she hugs and kisses him, and he starts to steam, but she holds him, and he settles down. Dee Dee asks about their management and stuff, and he confesses that he's an alien. She goes, oh, that's okay. There's lots of English bands. And he tells her, no, he's from another planet. I'm not surprised. Lois Lane fell for Superman and Fay Ray and King Kong. Well, she shouldn't be surprised because she saw him blow up the day before and he's perfectly fine today. Meanwhile, Diane is still fixing the chainsaw and she you know, mentioning like, when's the last time you lubricated this thing? Uh, Get it? She takes Dee Dee to the phone booth and they transport. Two dudes dressed alike witness it and freak. And they go, wait, I know what happened. Acid flashback. These guys are apparently members of the band that I've never met. They're the uh, bandana around the neck guys. Yeah. So, so the band is mostly Stray Cats based, but there's some Dexy's Midnight Runners thrown in there as well. At the school, Frankie announces to his band that they're dissolved. No more brutal beatings, gang fights, head stompings. Fun is over. He said he paid a high price for his actions. As they go to console him, he beats up a couple of them and says, need I elaborate any further? No more violence, which I kind of yeah. Also, uh, I, I don't understand why just because he broke up with Dee Dee, they have to stop like being a band. She wasn't in the band. Like I can understand. He's like, all right, we need to stop assaulting people. That's good. He's growing as a character. That's that's good. He, he, he no longer goes to violence. Great. Well, I took it. I took it as he found he personally found the band to be a band influence on himself. So I thought that's what he was doing. But you know, they, they can go on without you, Frankie. They don't. <laughs> band is dissolved. Says who? Like I don't know how they could go without Frankie. I mean, he he contributes so much to the band. Who has performed zero times? But... He's, he's performed as many times with the band 
as he's worn shirts up to this point. As we're about to find, while Dee's checking out the ship, uh, Frankie's kind of a solo artist, especially when it comes to this movie. He goes to his locker, and he talks to his shrine of Dee Dee in there, asking if she's happy now that he gave it all oh, up. Oh, you mean the locker that he converted into a sex dungeon? Because there's yeah, chains yeah. everywhere, and it's like red crushed velvet everywhere and it's just it's got one of the promo photos for the movie in it of Pizzadora. it's just missing like a sex swing and a whip it's the only thing's missing yeah. in his locker at school and he says he can't live without her but then he sings a song nature of the beast <laughs> and i'd like to stop for a moment and thank cult cinema cavalcade craig sheffer uh, the makers of voyage of the rock aliens our listeners for keeping us going uh, everybody's contributed because the whole world has made sense and is a better place because we have nature of the beast. Thought my innocent face could hide my dark, elusive eyes. But now I think I know I'm committing an emotional homicide. Leaving you alone had to be the worst thing I could do. Because look at me now, running around like a fool. Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. Keeping up the male persona That's the nature of the beast Keeping up my status quota Now the nature of the beast Wants to give love and affection Oh, the nature of the beast Doesn't want to end up alone I know <laughs> If you're a fan of watching a cougar <laughs> Walk around and women in animal print Good news. That's what the next like four minutes of the movie is. This, this was out fucking standing. <laughs> I lost. I've watched this like seven times. Like the women, they've got. I they've got like like their face like half person, half beast. Craig Sheffer, he is overselling this song that he's not well, actually he's, singing. He's lip singing. His yeah. face, his face is like way overdone on the makeup. All of a sudden in the movie, and. And then he's got these like weird looks, and they do these things where like he turns to the camera, and then like the the like leopard turns to the camera, or whatever. Mm-hmm. When he's walking around, the girls. Oh my god, this was amazing. <laughs> I I lost it. I'm. Oh my like, gosh. Sometimes they're in his school. Sometimes they're like next to like a forest. Right. Yeah. And there's that part where he's like laying down in between that crevice and kind of doing push-ups singing. <laughs> a lot of the the motion of the the three people in this song, it looks like they're practicing to make the video, but they didn't know what the cameras were rolling. It feels almost on the line of if you're watching like a full house and Uncle Jesse made a music video, you know. Yeah, you're yeah. That kind of thing, where they don't have the full-on money to make the real music video, but it's just enough to make you think they tried. Yeah, I'm sure that this was a major inspiration for Jesse and the Rippers. There's no way it wasn't. Oh, my God. I, oh, gosh. <sighs> I loved it. <laughs> One of my favorite things about it is how it ends. We say, that you know, it, it jumps around from the school to the outside and back again and everything. Like, the cougar, like, it jumps off, like, a radiator or something. And then, yeah. and then Frankie is walking alongside it. And this is before, you know, CG. So he's walking next to a wild animal yes. that is known to murder. And he's just casually walking alongside of it inside the school. He walks it into the sex dungeon and then just closes the door. <laughs> and then it's just gone. <laughs> yes. So it's just, 
Once this is over, Frankie's gang has them like an angry rah rah moment at the beach about shit, and then one of the acid trip dudes tells them about the phone booth. So go get them, guys. On the ship, Dee Dee and ABCD talk about their future and how she'll have to have an operation to remove emotion from her. And she asks, what about sex? And he says, they have it almost every night. He tells her she goes with him. She'll never be able to return to Spielberg. And she freaks about missing all of her friends and Frankie. She'll miss Frankie, who she just dumped. And she runs off. Diane continues to help fix the chainsaw. While, you know, it's become daytime for everyone else, it's clearly night with uh, Chainsaw and Diane. Yeah, because otherwise they've been working all night on this chainsaw. Like, it would just get to a point where she says, like, you know what, let's just, let's just pack it in. Let's just, let's just, let's just snuggle, you mental patient. Frankie wanders the halls and is confronted by the other crazy guy with the breathing machine. Uh, The gang gathers around the phone booth waiting for something to happen. Dee Dee finds Frankie in the school being attacked by the crazy dude, and he is able to get free, and they're in a school being attacked by the lake monster all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We've seen, like, the, the, the tentacles of the lake monster pop up occasionally throughout the movie, but I think I'm going to assume that you didn't think anything about it. It was just like, oh, they're at the lake, and it's just some some stupid little thing that they do. I didn't think there was going to be any payoff for that. I thought it was just background no, shit. I, yeah. And then there's, yeah, like, like how close is that school to the lake? Because is the monster nothing but tentacles? That's what it would have to be. There's no way that there's, like, a main part. It's just a, has to be just a bunch of tentacles that are just hanging out together. It's Chekhov's lake monster. <laughs> That's what we got. So uh, Diane finally fixes the chainsaw and says, she said, N- he's like, gnarly. He winds up helping Dee Dee and Frankie by attacking the lake monster, and he cuts off a little piece of it, like a little piece of the tentacle, yeah. and bubbles come out, and it goes away. <laughs> they wanted to have this be a blood splatter, like ridiculous, but investors, somebody said that's just way off the tone of this movie, so they went the opposite. They're like, well, okay, what would be the most ridiculous thing mm-hmm. to like pansy this up? And they chose bubbles. So, What do you think is more yeah. ridiculous, the fact that there's bubbles inside this creature or that this creature used its tentacles, stretched what appears to be miles, and then it has just the tip of one of its tentacles cut off and like, oh, it's dead. Oh, you chipped my nail. Yeah, exactly. That's like, ch- exactly. That is the equivalent of chipping your nail and then just packing it in. They cut enough off of it that you could tell like, well, we might need to use this for another movie. So don't screw this monster up too bad. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. Sure. Diane winds up asking Chainsaw to go for a little walk. And ABCD walks in on Dee Dee telling Frankie she loves him and that he is so down to earth. The sheriff now has some sort of tank that she's ready to defeat the aliens with, which she ends up rolling over two delivery men in the process. Yeah. So she has killed more people than the aliens in this movie. Although it's played for comedic value as they're smashed with smiling faces. Yeah, like when I was watching, like, oh, it's a cartoon. It's just a live action cartoon. ABCD is on the ship, which has now been vandalized by the the band guys. And then a dog tries to piss on the hydrant, but the hydrant shoots water back at it. ABCD instructs all personnel to return to the ship. The song from the beginning plays again as the other uh, aliens enter the ship and they see vandalism and find one of the bandana guys. They want to dis- disassemble him, but ABCD says, send him back where they belong. 
And in the woods, Dee Dee and Frankie take a walk, and he tells her he's no longer a solo act, duets only from here on out, and his old gang sees this from afar, but ABCD sees them plotting on Frankie from his monitor, and he winds up transforming them all into Boy Scouts. ABCD has a magical keyboard, and I don't mean like a computer keyboard, I mean like a piano keyboard, and he yeah. just like hits a couple of notes. They're all scouts. The sheriff and her deputy turn into surfers, and Frankie and Dee Dee sing, and like like spring happens or something like that through the power of music. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> just... It's just like it's just got to the point, like in this movie, where they're like, oh, "We just gotta wrap it up. Let's just put, let's just throw a bunch of shit out." Pretty much. And it seems like they should have uh, already been done anyway. No one wonders what happened to the sheriff. Fuck them. No one cares. You know, no one cares about what happened to the pack. Like, they, fuck it. It should just be Dee Dee and Frankie just like, okay, we like each other now again because a mental patient attacked me and you felt bad about it or you want emotion Mm -hmm. and apparently you can't get emotions from anyone else on the planet. Whatever. You know what? I bet I know why she's into him again. He's wearing a shirt, finally. She's like, finally, he's changing his ways. <laughs> like, I don't even uh, care about the fighting. He just wears a shirt now. Okay, we can go out to restaurants and be regular people. They only have one place to eat, the diner, so I mean. And the pack is always uh, so, playing there. And ABCD lets S-T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z drive for once, and the ship flies off and lets dance play, and the credits roll. And you know what that's kind of the equivalent of? What's that? A tractor pulling in with a group of aliens ending a song on it, and someone's saying, that was great. (laughs) That's how this movie ends. They were inspired uh, by their own movie. That was the voyage that the rock aliens took. I wonder how many people saw the title for this movie and expected aliens made of rock to do something. Some people have asked, like, hey, what's your next episode? And I say, Voyage of the Rock Aliens. I immediately wonder if they think that, like, oh, there's going to be aliens made of rocks doing something there's none of that yes i didn't think about that ah so i guess it's just my own neurotic mind that came up with that very good because when you told me i thought like oh yeah it's probably got something to do with like a band or something because you know maybe things like hard rock zombies come to mind because i I hear hard rock zombies i wasn't like oh zombies made of stone i guess i don't know i could see someone thinking they were rock it's just multiple dwayne johnson's from a different planet but I think with the word voyage in there, I was thinking rock and roll for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. Attack of the Rock Aliens, maybe. Mm. I would have thought rock, but that's interesting. Sorry to disappoint you listeners who thought you might have been in for stone creatures traveling. The whole time they pro- the whole voyage. time they were probably listening to it, like, when do the rock aliens come in? What well, we got are these new wave of dorks hanging out. I-, I-, I want the Galaxy Quest rock monster. Where's that monster in here? doesn't mean she doesn't mean Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are a cult cinema cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty, just like Waco now on the Paramount Network. (laughs) Our options are as follows. Our options are as follows. Stay with your family, which means like Craig Sheffer in shirts, yeah, I want one. You're too good for it. Letter jackets, more than enough to cover up. Converted, which means... Yeah, I kind of like aliens. We uh, I can do the uh, non-emotion machine, hang with them, go, go solid. Or drinking the Kool-Aid, which means 
you'd bone Michael Berryman. Cullen, how do you rate Voyage of the Rock Aliens, the musical cut? Well, this movie's nuts. There's no other way to put it. It's, it, it's nuts. It's um, the music is. I think it's entertaining. We we've certainly had other musicals on here where the music is just really forgettable and. I don't know if I'm going to be humming any of this music later, but I definitely know that we're all going to to enjoy Nature of the Beast later. Because it rocks so hard. It's, I don't know, it's just campy, enjoyable, silly stuff. It's the second movie I've ever seen with Pia Zadora, who is supposed to be important, and I don't know why. I've never understood why I'm supposed to think she's important. I think I think she was like a short term like it girl for a while. Like it was like, oh, she's gonna be the next big thing, and no, I, her acting career didn't take off. She did pretty well musically, but Pia's it was Pia's Adora looks like Mary Lou Retton crossed with Olivia Newton John, and that's not a bad thing. It's just kind of a okay. Why is this like a thing that I'm paying attention to? But enough about Pia's Adora. The music is fun. Like I said, it's campy, like a like a B movie. If you like music, good God, good news, because it's in top to bottom in this this fucking thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it other than I really enjoyed it, and I drink the Kool Aid on this every minute of of watching it. I was just so happy that we were doing this movie. I even texted Brandon as I watched it, like I'm so glad we're finally doing this. If you can get your hands on it, watch this movie. Brandon, how do you rate? Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Uh, this movie, you know what, as crazy as it is, as, as cheesy B-level it is, I feel like this movie made exactly what it set out to do. There's a confidence that comes from the filmmaking and the actors, and everybody's down for this movie, and that's really, it's a really infectious vibe. And it's a matter of the songs, like I said, the good vibes there, but this movie flies right by. Whether it makes sense, whether it's disjointed, whether it's weird, I, I believe that this movie is intending for everything that happens in it. It does get off to a wild start with a random music video featuring one of the actors in the movie that has nothing to do with it, but that just adds to the fun. And Jermaine Jackson. Um, and Jermaine Jackson. The costuming's crazy. The, the musical number, you get a bunch of music videos... The songs, like you said, you don't hum them, but they're confident enough that you think you're going, you might afterwards, you know, when you're watching, you're like, oh, that's that's catchy, that's catchy, that's catchy. And then I think you remember the music video portions more than you do the songs themselves, but that's not a bad thing. I would definitely watch this movie again. This is Craig Sheffer at a ridiculous, like you've never seen him like this. So if, you've, if you're familiar with him and seen him, he's, he plays a lot of really serious roles. And this is... Hilarious. He's got blonde hair. He's really young, trying to sell singing that he's not doing. Nature of the Beast alone has me drinking the Kool-Aid. If you'd have thrown Nature of the Beast randomly in Exorcist II, The Heretic, it probably would have got it converted. Probably would have got it converted at least. That is that big of a moment in this movie that has other moments that are good too. It's so much fun. I couldn't believe it. There's a, there's a German import Blu-ray that I'm now marking that I'm going to pick up someday to have a copy, a good copy of Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Oh, Pia's Adora, adorable in this movie. I've seen her and things or seen pictures. I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't, what, like, like Cullen, I'm like, what's a Pia's Adora? Here, I get it for now. I'm fine. She's, she's got this presence when she's doing her numbers. She's got a one-two punch with this in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, I suppose. Maybe we'll, we'll visit another of her films in the future. Who knows? But yeah. I drink the Kool-Aid on Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Come on,
On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the king of cartoons in 1972's Blackula. Thanks to everyone for uh, rocking out with us in this episode, and especially to Craig Sheffer for giving me nature of We look forward to next time, but first stay tuned for the trailer to Blackula. The trailer you shall pay black prince i curse you with my name you shall be blackula blackula the black avenger Rising from his tomb to fill the night with horror. Blackula, Dracula's soul brother. Deadlier even than he. You know, he is a strange dude. You're a nut that ran in front of my cab. You're the only imbecile on this street. Blackula. <laughs> Look at man, you find I mean uh, you got to be around here somewhere. I mean, now listen, you wait, you take your hands off of me. I don't know you. He thirsts for your blood. He hungers for your soul. Warm young bodies will feed his hunger. Hot fresh blood will quench his awful thirst. Thank you. I'm bloody Mary. Are you, um, into the occult? No! How about the, uh, heavy stuff? What do you think of vampires? Vampires? I think they're possibly the most fascinating ball. More horrifying than Dracula. The Black Avenger. Black Dracula. From American International Pictures. for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. It's the Labrie 10th Annual Labor Day Sale for five days only, with every item in every store on sale. A truckload of bedding values with bedspreads beginning at just $19.95. Pillows and mattress pants 50% off. 
It's store-wide savings on water beds, flotation beds, complete day beds, air beds, sofa beds, sleepers, and bedroom furniture. Nothing is held back. Don't miss the Labrie 10th Annual Labor Day Sale. It's our biggest of the year.